Have you ever been inspired by a brand? The, there are some outstanding organizations out there, outstanding ones. They offer great services. They offer great products. And the ones who do the best job of developing brand ambassadors, they're the ones who do more than just letting us know that we're seen or that we're heard. They also understand that we've got these deeper needs. And they do a good job. In fact, they spend a whole lot of money and a whole lot of research finding out how do we address, how do we speak to those deeper needs that people have. Deeper needs like how do you become a better version of yourself? Or how do you connect with other people? Or how do we experience more financial peace, especially in this day and age? How do, how do we become equipped to impact the world and make a more meaningful life? How do we strengthen our families? These types of needs. Well, if you trace these deeper needs that they've done such a good job with market research of identifying, you're going to find these deeper needs can actually be connected with even deeper longings that are hardwired into us by our creator. And our creator knows us so much better than these companies do. He knows what our deepest longings are. And there's this invitation that we have in scripture to walk with him. We see it in the beginning. We see it when Adam was walking with Eve and God in the garden. We see it when Jesus came into our world. He stepped in our world. The disciples walked with him. What does it mean to walk with God? What does it mean to develop a deeper, more meaningful walk with God? If you're taking notes, we want to invite you to write this down. How do we develop a deeper, more meaningful walk with God? And if we were in a small group right now, and it felt safe... A lot of us would say, that's not my experience with Christianity. It doesn't feel like walking with God. It feels like something else. Either it feels like I'm going through the motions. Either it feels like I've got to put up some kind of image for other people. Maybe it feels like, yeah, I'm trying, but it doesn't feel like walking with God. Maybe it feels like I'm adding these different things, but it's just making me more stressed out or more, more guilty. There's so much here. There's so much in Scripture about how people develop a deeper, more meaningful walk with God. This is a big book. There's a lot in here. And so much of it is so good. Actually, all of it is so good. The Bible teaches us, how do we build these relationships with others that we long for most? How do we find that unique place in this world that God has created us for? How do we reach out effectively to people, how do we leave a legacy? These are the kind of things that Scripture addressed. But as I said earlier, this is a big book. Where do you even start? Where do you even begin? When a lifetime isn't enough to learn all there is to learn, when the bar is too high to clear, what does God-honoring look like? One of Christianity's distinctives is that you don't have to pass the bar exam to be welcomed into the family or even to be sent out, opening height, opening height for authentic Christianity, it's a humble heart. That's where it all starts. So if you've got that longing and you've got a humble heart, great. That's, you're at the right starting point for how you develop a deeper, more meaningful walk with God. So I've got good news for you. I want to invite you to write this down. The biblical model for discipleship, it's grow as you go. That's the biblical model. It's grow as you go. It's one step at a time. So imagine if by Easter, 
You can have a vision for authentic and holistic faith that's as clear as a point on a map, along with a specific milestones. So you know, okay, if, if this means it's one step at a time, have some milestones that can help you go, all right, I'm going the right direction. It may not feel like I'm getting anywhere real fast, but I'm going the right direction. That's what we want to try to help you with. That's what this series is about. That's where we're going from here until Easter in this Lenten series. This series, if you're taking notes, this series will highlight essentials and identify key milestones that can help you track your growth. Over the years, what we've tried to do is because the Bible is such a big book filled with so much important content, we've tried to narrow down what are the essentials. For a person who wants to authentically be like Jesus, what are the essential aspects of that? We've identified six things. Over the years, we've, we've been crafting this, adding a few, putting some together. Here's, here's what our latest list comes down to as far as the six things we think are essential. If you want that abundant life that Jesus modeled and talked about and invited us into, here's our list. Discover a deeper, more meaningful walk with God. Connect with others in helpful and meaningful ways. Serve one another as Christ modeled and taught. Give as scripture instructs and the spirit leads. Reach out to a lost and hurting world in Jesus' name and pass the torch to the next generation. And if you reflect on each one of these, you're going to find that every one of these things we just put up there, it's connected to one of those deep human longings that we have. To know our creator. To be an integral part of a healthy community. To be both financially secure, but also to be generous to make a real impact on the world around you and to leave a legacy that outlives you. Well, as we've been refining and identifying these characteristics, we've also been trying our best to say, what are mile markers? What are milestones in each of these areas that can help us identify? Are we making progress in the right direction when it comes to these six essential things? These mile markers are points on a continuum. And a couple of years ago, I looked up this word continuum again, and I it is such a great word. Look at this. Continuum. It's a continuous sequence in which adjacent elements are not perceptibly different from each other, although the extremes are quite distinct. Now, loaded language, every one of those words is important. This is how Christian discipleship works. Yeah, we have our defining moments, but for the most part, it's one little step at a time. Sometimes you can't even notice the difference between one day to the next, but over time, those steps can add up. Add up. These small steps in the right direction. Again, it, it, I like that language because it's, it's, you can barely even perceive sometimes how, how much is happening from one step to the next. For example, I'll give you an example. Um, we're going to be talking about saying yes a little bit later in this message, saying yes. When have you said yes? Do you say yes when you've publicly stated, I've said yes? Do you say yes at the precise moment that the last gets out of your mouth? Do you, are, do, are you saying yes when the first neurons start to fire that signal your mouth to move? Do you, are you, did you say yes when you something happened in your life that put in motion the things that led to the yes? Exactly when does the yes start? You could make an argument for all kinds of things, right? But there's a big difference, like on a continuum, there's a big difference between yes and no. That's how continuums work. That's how continuums work. And I would present to you, that's how discipleship works. It's these steps that over time, you can see a big difference. Big difference. All right, here's the latest version, if we put all this together, of what that tool looks like 
For those of you here in person, we have an insert in your bulletin. It's right there. For those of you online, it should be coming up on your screens. And then also, if you want, you can go to Church, and then on the message for this week, you can download the notes, and along with the notes, you'll find this tool. This is a tool that we're working on here. So what we're going to do this Lent each week, we're going to focus on one of these continuums each week. We'll talk about the essential itself, and then we'll talk about these milestones so you can have a sense of, okay, holistically in these areas, where am I at and am I growing? What, is, what do my next steps look like? We're going to start with discover. Today we're going to talk about discover. And here's why we're going to do that. I encourage you to write this down. Discover is the keystone essential. It's the keystone essential. Some time ago, I did a deep dive into the power of habits. There's a great book out there on this, The Power of Habits. And one of the things that habit experts talk about, and yes, there are habit experts, they they talk about keystone habits. For example, take something like health. Health has all kinds of components to it. One of the things they recognize is exercise is a keystone habit. If you exercise, generally, you start to experience better health in a lot of different areas. You start to sleep better. You start to eat better. You carry less stress and so much more. It's a keystone habit that affects the rest. Discover is the keystone curriculum. Curriculum. Continuum. If you start growing in your relationship with God, all these other areas start to naturally move forward. Intention is important, but if you start growing in this area, it's going to help all the rest. So, Today, what we're going to do, we're going to talk big picture, really big picture about this tool. We're going to, we're going to start with the Discover Continuum, and then we're going to work our way with, from left to right on that. So the first milestone, if you find your, your sheet, find Discover, the first milestone is curious. Curious. And after curious, um, in your notes, I want to invite you to write this down as far as next steps. Facts, follow the facts, plus find a guide. If you're curious when it comes to your relationship with God, then we encourage you to follow the facts and find a guide. One of the things that's true about our Christian faith is you don't have to choose between facts and faith. It's something we said before, especially in the last series, something we'll say again. If you've got questions about Christianity, we would love to point you to some very interesting facts. And we'll do our best to be a resource to you. Just let us know how we can help. All right, so as you continue to move along the continuum, let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to start talking about those other milestones along the way, and this is a great passage as we look at those. If you don't have a Bible, we encourage you to go right now. You can go to Bible.com, download an exceptional Bible app right there. All right, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is a real first century letter written to people in a city called Corinth. It was written by a follower of Jesus named Paul, who founded a church in Corinth. All right, let's start with verse 21. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's start with verse 21. It says this, For our sake he made him, referring to Jesus, God referring to Jesus here, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, our last series was written primarily to people who are curious. And one of the things we did in that series is we devoted an entire week to talking about miracles. Miracles. Now, the miracle that Paul is talking about here, about God making him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin that we might become the righteousness of God, that miracle made this next miracle possible. Turn then to 
uh, verse 17. Go back just a couple verses, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. That phrase, in Christ, that's our next milestone. That's an important milestone on this continuum. That is a phrase, the phrase in Christ. If you look that up sometime, take a, a Bible search engine like BibleGateway.com, type in in Christ. There are a lot of uses of in Christ throughout the New Testament. It says this. You'll find statements like this if you do that search. Those who were once far away have been brought near in Christ. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. And then there's one we just read. If anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. This is a milestone. Those who are in Christ, we have these great promises associated with that. So if you're moving along the continuum, how do you go from not in Christ to in Christ? That's worth thinking about. The next two steps that we're going to talk about right now, they'll help you keep moving forward instead of just staying stuck or going backwards or heading the wrong direction. The next step is to say yes. To say yes. And here, here are these milestones. If you say yes to being in Christ, you say, I'm saying yes to God. He's my Savior. He's my Lord. I'm in Christ. All right. If you want to keep moving forward from that part, we encourage you to do these two things. Mark the milestone and put first things first. What are your next steps? If you say yes, mark that milestone and then put first things first. We can help you with both of these things. We just did a message last week on first things first. If you missed that, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. We, we spend the whole message talking about that whole thing, this concept of first things first. And when it comes to marking the milestone, we've also been talking about a brand new initiative that we started rolling out that involves these wood blocks. And there's a little sheep you could fill out. What we're going to be doing here right at the studio, we're going to be taking these wood blocks. We'll put our names on there to mark that milestone to say, I'm in Christ. I said yes to Jesus, my Savior and Lord. A couple words that talk about your story. And then on the wall, on the other side of this wall in this room, we'll be putting those up there as a way to say, yes, I'm in. I'm, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. If you'd like to learn more about that, just go to manu.church slash next and let us know that you'd like to have a conversation. Well, one of the reasons that we're choosing to mark this moment, this in Christ moment, when a person, person consciously decides, well, here's why. This is a moment when we're consciously making decision to say, I'm now orienting my entire life around Christ. I've said, yes, I'm in Christ. Now, moving forward, my entire life, I want to orient around the things of God. N.T. Wright, he puts it like this. He says, when a new world is born, a new way of living goes with it. Something new has happened. Something now must happen. I don't know how to say it any clearer than this. If your desire is to be in Christ, you're saying yes. Just adding some Christian stuff into your life, a couple more readings, a couple more programs, it, it doesn't work. Jesus himself had some pretty harsh words to say about that about serving two masters, being lukewarm, this kind of thing. It's about reorienting your life, your new life. So that brings us to our next milestone and the next steps that come with it. So here it is. The next milestone we've identified is maturing. 
After you've said yes, you're in Christ, you're putting first things first, you're marking that milestone, now you're moving to maturing. We put two things with there, two next steps. Rhythms and resources. Rhythms and resources. Christianity, as I mentioned earlier, it involves reordering your whole life through the help of the Holy Spirit, the guidance of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, reordering your entire life around the way of Jesus, the way that he modeled and taught. If you want to become mature in the way of Jesus, in the ways that the Bible measures maturity, again, that just doesn't work to just shoehorn in some religious readings or religious meetings. By fall, what I'd like to do is I'd like to create a series of short videos that talk about these rhythms, go into more depth. Rhythms like daily devotions. What does that really mean and what is that, how can that actually be helpful? Weekly worship, why that matters and, and how to get the most out of it. A, a rhythm that I call consistent communion and another one I call regular retreats. That's what the rhythms, developing these new rhythms, just building into the fabric of our life a way where we're walking with God. We're also doing this. We're also developing a resource center. We'll have an in-person one here. We'll have an in-person one at the community center. We'll have an online one where there will be a hub where you can go for helpful resources that can help you with next steps. Let us know, though, now as we're developing those things, how we can help you. All right, let's keep moving right on our continuum. As you mature in your faith, and as you experience more of that abundant life that Jesus was talking about, that he was modeling, that he's inviting us into, the more you start to experience it, the more you want to share it with others. So I want to encourage you eventually to, maybe even tonight or this morning, to whatever time you're watching this, to read all of chapter 2. Because these verses that we've been talking about, they have a context. In the context, I'm sorry, chapter 5, in, in all of chapter 5, the context here, it's about reconciliation. This is really interesting. Um, let's take a look at verses 18 through 19. You'll get a snapshot of what this context about new creation and his, for him, his, our sake, he became sin. He knew no sin. Here's the context, reconciliation, verses 18 through 19. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciles us to himself and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. As we mature in our faith, and we begin to recognize that sharing our faith, it's more than something that we just are obligated to do. It becomes, again, something we want to do. We want to be a part of this work of what was far from God is being brought close to God. What was broken is being restored. We want to be a part of that, helping people to reconcile their lives, helping our nation to reconcile with the brokenness, helping our world. That brings us then to the next milestone. As we're maturing, we become purposeful in our witness. Purposeful in witness. And the two next steps I would put there go hand in hand. Gather and go. Gather and go. As we mature in our faith, the more compelled we become to share our faith. Because it's the right thing to do, for one. But two, because we're discovering the good news is good. And we want to share it. But how do you witness well? How do you do this well? How, how do you share your faith in a way that's not awkward for everybody? How do you do it in a way that doesn't feel forced? 
How do you do it in a way where it doesn't feel like I'm, I'm just trying to read someone else's script that they handed me? How do we do this in a way where instead of pushing people away, we're actually drawing people in? Well, if this sounds familiar to some of you, it's because we did an entire week on this, this whole idea. In part five of a series we did called More Jesus, we spent a week on this, and we discussed this model. We put that up on the screen, this, this model. If you go back to our archives, you can find in May we did this series. And we talked through all of the intricacies of this model. Let me just give you a big picture overview, and if you'd like to know more, you go back into our archives, look up the message um, called uh, Less Force. It was part five of More Jesus. Witnessing well. Witnessing well is ultimately about gathering and going. It's about gathering and going. It's about gathering with others who are in Christ to get encouraged and equipped to learn things that you want to share with others, to become more mature in our faith, to get more fired up, to be able to ask others, hey, I've got this person um, and they're wrestling with this issue. How could we help? All that kind of stuff. So we're gathering with those who are in Christ to encourage, support, and learn from one another, and then we go. We go back to our friends. We go back to our families. We go back to our schools. We go back to our workplaces and teams and neighborhood. And we love people. We show up, shake hands, we listen, we serve. And the invitation you're going to find to follow Jesus, it's ultimately about joining him in his work. And instead of trying to force something, you're going to find yourself, if, if your gatherings are gospel-centered, and you're, you're asking the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you as you're going, you're going to find conversations opening up. You're going to find that this isn't something I'm forcing. God has strategically placed me for such a time as this in this situation. And you're going to find yourself extending invitations and answering questions, questions people actually have, invitations that people actually want to say yes to. Now, that brings us then to the next part of the continuum. If people are starting to say, yes, I want to learn more. Yes, I'd, I'd like to get more involved. Yes, I want to understand God better. How do we help them with that? How do we help? Let's open our Bibles together one more time. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this. <laughs> I don't know if you feel like this. There's times I don't. I'll be honest. Therefore, we are what? I don't know. I might have picked a different strategy than rely on us. We're the ambassadors. What are ambassadors? Ambassadors are citizens of a different kingdom that are representing that kingdom to the world. So as we're maturing in our faith, and we're experiencing something that we want to share as the Lord's opening opportunities, and we're following his lead, and we're sharing, and people are asking questions and responding. All right, now how do we become these ambassadors? How do we help them grow? How do we help them develop? How do we do that scary mandate that Christ gave us, commission of making disciples? How do we do that? We talked about this in that More Jesus series as well. This can be really intimidating. And I think one of the reasons that it's really intimidating is that a lot of us only have one model of discipleship in our head. And in that series, we called it the Obi-Wan Kenobi model of discipleship. Obi-Wan Kenobi, where Obi-Wan Kenobi was really good at all things Jedi. And so there was this younger dude, Luke Skywalker. Obi-Wan Kenobi knows everything. I'm just gonna, you're just gonna follow me around everywhere I go. And I'm going to teach you all you need to know, and I'm going to show you how to do everything that you need to do. 
I think a lot of people, when it comes to disciple making, we feel intimidated because like, I'm not an Obi-Wan when it comes to Christianity. I don't know everything there is to know. I, I, I don't know how to teach people everything there is to learn. And I certainly don't have the time for someone to follow me around everywhere I go, and I'm teaching them every moment of the day. We certainly see some of that with Paul to Timothy, but in general, I wouldn't challenge you to go ahead and read the scriptures. In general, that's not the model that most of us are called into. There's, it's a good model if you've got Obi-Wans, but for most of us, I've got really good news. The best disciple makers are those that recognize, I don't have everything on my own that it takes. And we have this movement that Jesus launched called the church. And we are a part of a body. And we bring something to that body. And together, we're more complete than we were. And we invite people into a community that has people that are gifted in teaching and people that are gifted in hospitality and people that are gifted in, in healing people who have wounds. And we got great listeners and people that are good with kids and people that are good at building things and people that all together can help disciple folks. So if you're taking notes, when it comes to discipleship, to be a disciple maker, two very practical steps are join a team and plan your giving. Pool your talents pool your resources, and let's create a community that we can invite people into where they can grow and learn and develop. Everybody playing a role, building a community and creating resources that help more people become more like Jesus. That's a whole lot less intimidating, isn't it? We find our part, and together as a body, we're doing the work of discipling others, each person playing a role. All right, well, as I mentioned earlier, this, this I just gave you, this is a ridiculously high 10,000-foot flyover. We could drill down into any one of these some points for, for hours and hours and hours. But hopefully, what you're coming away with from today is there's a pathway that we can get on. There are steps we can take. There, there is movement in a direction when it comes to discovering a deeper or meaningful walk with God. That these small steps add up over time. And a person thought, I would never see myself as making an impact. I'll never see myself as a disciple-maker God can use and does use us. Which leads me to this story I want to close with as we close the teaching part of this message. True story. I just heard it um, from the person themselves not too long ago. So recently I was talking to uh, a newer ECC regular. Her name's Jamie. And I was talking to Jamie and I said, tell me your story. Tell me your story. She goes, well, here it is. I, uh, I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. In fact, the home that I grew up in um, didn't look at Christianity very favorably. And so growing up in that environment, when it came time to go to college, I purposely chose a college that was not a Christian college because I didn't want to have that experience. So she goes to this school that wasn't a Christian college, and some people invited her to a Bible study. Now, in her head, she's like, I want to say no, but I'm going to be wiser than that. I'll say yes the first time so that I can be nice and kind, and then the next time I'll find an excuse. So she's going to go one time. She's never been to a Bible study before. She's never prayed before. She goes to this inner varsity Bible study, and she experienced something different than she had ever experienced before. And that night, after this Bible study, 
She says yes to Jesus alone in her, her dorm room. The very next day, very next day, she goes to class, and the professor says, do any of you pray? And she and one other girl raise their hand. He goes, stand up. These two people stand up. And she says, he just, her words, berated us. He just laid into us. How can you believe this? Blah, 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 blah. Again, she had prayed once <laughs> her whole life. But because it was real and she wasn't following a script, because she was just taking a next step, she goes, why does this bother you so much? Come on. And she said that began a four-year conversation with that professor. And over time, he began to reveal, yeah, I wanted to be a priest. And then he revealed disappointment along the way. Here was this person. She was just taking her next step. I prayed. You asked if I prayed. Yes. And here God not, used her not only to give encouragement to all these people, but even plant seeds among this person who berates Christians. Jamie went on to continue to grow in her faith. She now works for InterVarsity. She is now equipping people to be able to lead these Bible studies that led her into the Christian faith. Part of the backstory behind 2 Corinthians, part of this backstory, if you, if you read that whole book, Part of the backstory and the, the fabric of him writing this, he, he called them super apostles in a sarcastic way. Super apostles. These people that you are elevating. Corinthians, you're elevating these people you should not be elevating. They have this image. They have this way about them. But you shouldn't be elevating these people. It's really about them. Rather than these humble people who are trying to become more like Jesus. One day at a time, step by step. We don't want to make the mistake of elevating in our head the wrong brand ambassadors. The last thing I want to invite you to write down is this. Remember, when it comes to authentic Christianity, our brand ambassadors, they're authentic, not airbrushed. It's real people taking one step at a time and allowing God to bless that. You don't have to pass a bar exam to be welcomed in the family. You don't have to pass some bar exam to be able to even be sent out. It's as simple as, I said yes. Why does it bother you so much that I did? Christianity, it's go as you grow. And we've got a next step for you right now, right here. We call it Holy Communion. We want to invite you, those who are watching at home, if you gathered your elements, or um, then join us right now. If you didn't, you might want to hit pause right now. Go get some juice, get some bread, and join us in this holy moment. Tonight, we want to give you an invitation, those who are here, those who are watching, to say yes, to say yes to the way of Jesus. And Jesus left us with this moment that he had us commemorate that makes it physical, that makes it tangible. It's an actual physical step that we take as we pray and we say these words. When we commemorate Holy Communion together, we commemorate a real event that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he also took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of the bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There's so much that the Bible doesn't say, 
about the sacrament of Holy Communion. It doesn't give a specific age. It doesn't give a specific method. It doesn't prescribe a specific type of bread or wine. But here's what the Bible does say. It says this. It says, let a person examine themselves. So before we always participate in communion, we always take a moment to pray prayers together and to allow some time to really reflect. So let's do that. And if you can sincerely pray these prayers that we're about to pray and make them your own, we invite you to participate with us. So those of you who are here, let's pray these prayers together. Those online, I would invite you to do the same. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, to whom all hearts and minds are open and all desires are known, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may more perfectly love you and more worthily magnify your holy name. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We've not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we are about to receive, but say the word and we will be made clean. Father, I pray for my friends here, those who are in this room, those who are gathered online, Lord, I pray that this would be a moment where there's no guilt, there's no shame, that there possibly is conviction, but that conviction comes from that kindness that you extend to us, this invitation that we can learn the way of Jesus, this way that leads to abundant life, this this way that addresses these deeper needs and deeper longings that we have, a path that takes us there and leads us away from superficial, and leads us away from things that are ultimately destructive, leads us away from things that may feel good for a season but cause hurt and pain to ourselves and to others. Thank you, God, that you don't give up on us. We pray, Father, that we would take a step towards you today. Wherever we are, Father, on this continuum, open our eyes to to give us a starting point and then point us to the next step. And remind us that we're not alone as we take it. And now, Father, before we sing these wonderful songs that the worship band has got for us and engage in this sacrament, we pray a prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.